I'm going to try my best to keep this as simple this evening as I can. I have a lot here of history to show God moving in history and a lot of numbers. I'm going to try and keep it as simple as I can. Turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, the book of the Apocalypse, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 16, please. Chapter 16. We will just read a few verses and then we will be looking at other parts and portions of Scripture. And while you're looking that up, I'll just get a drink. Revelation 16, verse 12, please. Verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Will you turn with me to the beginning of Revelation, please? The very beginning. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. You can underline your Bible there, must shortly, in John's day, must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Notice he signified or signified, coded message for those who are saved and have the eye of the Spirit. We bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Notice for the time is at hand. John's time was the time at hand. Just let your eye run down the chapter, please, to verse 19. Write these things which thou hast seen. Notice John is told, write these things which thou hast seen, already seen. And the things which are in John's present tense. And notice the things which shall be here after or in the future. In the future. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the goodly number you've brought this evening. We thank you, Lord, that we have come from every walk of life. And as our faces differ, so do our needs. 
And Father, the greatest need of the hour is that men and women know your Son as their own Lord and personal Savior. So, Father, to that end, when all is said and prayed and done and sung this evening, we ask you that you would reach those who have not yet, Lord, given their lives to your Son, by the knee and come in repentance to the cross and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Father, we pray that they would find salvation in Christ alone this evening. And Lord, may they leave this place for the better, saved, set apart, and sanctified. Edify your church. Glorify your son. And help this man of frailty and with clay lips to rightly divide the word of truth. May Jesus alone be seen and glorified. Amen. As we see here, John is told that from his day, so the day when this book of Revelation was written, it is said that this is around the year 95 AD, almost 2,000 years ago. 95 AD. The temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed by the Romans roughly about 15 years or 16 years by now. And so there have been some prophecies fulfilled from Matthew 24, when Jesus says armies would encamp about Jerusalem. And he warned the believers to flee when they saw it. And Titus, the Roman prince or general, he came and he surrounded Jerusalem, just like Jesus said. And of course, those who believed the word of God and those who trusted in the word of God and those who followed the word of God, obeyed the word of God, they would be safe from the time when there was, it said that there were approximately one million Jews who perished in Jerusalem around that time, whenever the Romans had encircled the city. Some ended up eating their own children. Some ended up in captivity afterwards. And thousands and thousands were crucified by the Roman guards around the walls. Fifteen to sixteen years later, John is in a prison aisle in Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And here God gives him the vision of the revelation of Jesus Christ known as the Apocalypse. Now in our reading, we're coming near the end of the book. There are 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. And even from the beginning, John was told, write them down for the things must shortly come to pass from A.D. 95-96. Then he says things will be from hereafter, he tells John. So John starts to write. And in our reading in chapter 16, he sees in verse 12, the sixth angel. I can't go through them. There's right through history. We see angels, as it were, pouring out vials. And things were happening on the earth. Things were happening on the earth. People were putting it down to simple natural disasters. And the moves of men and armies and governments and kings and queens and all sorts of things. Emperors and kingdoms were rising and falling. But it was to do with the vials being poured out upon the earth. You see, this, what you see is our 2020 vision. We see each other. We can see this place we're in. And we can acknowledge that which we see. But in behind things, there is a spirit world. 
There's a world where the Bible tells us there's the spirits of devils working evil, not only in men in government and women there, but also working evil among people in families, on minds and in hearts, blinding the eyes of men and women. The devil is, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into the heart, and that man and woman might see their need of Christ and be saved. And so we have to understand there's a spirit world. And here in verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. Notice that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, what we have to look at this evening, we have to break this down. The sixth angel, six is very important. Numbers are important. We'll show you that in a moment. But six in Scripture, right through the Scripture, is the number of man. The number of man. And for example, in Genesis 1, God created man on the sixth day. Six is the number of man. Moses was told by God to relay to Israel that they were to work for six days. And the number seven, six was the labor of man. And the seventh was for to rest. And of course, we know that God, the number for God is one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and his name one. Six is the number of man. And so when man became, or God became man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the number seven. The Lord Jesus Christ is the God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ is man's perfect God, and he is God's perfect man. Note here then, six is the number of man. In Revelation chapter 13, Revelation 13, and many people are asking about these things today, especially in the year 2021. Revelation 13 and verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great and rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Notice, in their hand or in their foreheads. This is a man who is a beast. He's called a beast. Verse 17, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Notice the number of his name. Herein is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Notice the number is not the number of anything else. We hear all sorts of things. It is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score. And six, or as people know it as six, six, six. So people today are hearing all over that we are going to be having all sorts of things put into our right hands and all sorts of things that uh, tattoos have heard printed on your forehead and all of this sort of stuff. Go with me, if you will, to Revelation 22, to the end chapter, the last chapter in the Bible and the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, speaking of his heavenly kingdom, verse 3 says, And there shall be no more curse, 
but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. Now take note, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Does that mean we're going to have God, big G-O-D, written on our foreheads, tattooed? Does it mean that we are going to have some sort of uh, Hebrew words from right to left on our forehead? Does it mean that you and I are going to have Jesus written on our foreheads? No, it doesn't. The mark in the hand and on the forehead. It is the doctrine in the mind is the mark in the forehead. It is the doctrine in the mind is the mark of the forehead. And it is the fellowship with the hand, which is the mark in the hand. And this happened even to early Christians. Even the Jews beforehand used to get little telethons with little leather boxes with leather straps on them. Write out the scripture and roll it up tight and put it into them and strap it to the back of their hands and put the strap up their arms. The word of God is here. Fellowship with Jehovah God, Yahweh. And then they got one here, a little leather box, and they rolled up the scripture and they tied it around their foreheads and they were saying, look, the doctrine of God is in my head. And they walked around like this. John knew the symbology of this. And John was saying, the Roman Caesars, Nero, who killed many, many, many Christians, he says, they're wanting you to take the doctrine in your hand, the fellowship with them, and of course, again, in the forehead. It went from the Caesars of Rome, and then when the Caesars died, a deadly wound came, and then the beast rose up again. Then we had, through the Dark Ages, we had the Roman Church Age, and of course, it kept going on, and there were people unable to buy and to sell. Now, in the sliding scale of prophecy, we can see today through control, media manipulation, how they're trying to put their doctrine into our, into our minds. How they're trying to cause every man and woman to fear, put it within their minds and in their hearts. They're trying to tell us how to live and what to do. And look, we'll look at this, God willing, in a moment and having fellowship with them. In other words, they want us to do what they tell us to do. So this is the mark, and in the sliding scale of prophecy, we can see where that may even come again. And brothers and sisters who are saved, those who are Christ's and who have been washed in the blood, and those who have been to Calvary by faith and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone and His finished work, those of us who are born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb, those of us who are blood-bought, we must not be duped. We must not take in everything we are told. Do you know, if you want to stop living in fear, you know what to do? Turn off your TV. Stop looking at your social media. Stop going on to the things that are propagating these. And you will not live in fear. And lift the Word of God and read it. And read it. Here we find that they want us to be indoctrinated in our minds and do as they tell us to do. Your children and mine, your grandchildren, and should the Lord tarry and spare me when I see mine, 
They're going to be slaves to the new world order. They're going to be bound up by an elitist group and company. And they are going to be in slavery for the debt that is being amassed with the bankers at this time. These governments, America is something like 30 trillion in debt. 30 trillion. And Britain is uh, 3 trillion, I think it is now, in debt. Where's the money coming from? And who's going to pay it but our children? You know, they say, we'll look after you. That's part. That's all part of the Great Reset that is being told to the people of the nations. I must move on, for there's so many things we must look at this evening. The devil tries to replicate things in the Word of God. Even as ministers, Paul tells us, are transformed into an angel of light. And we must watch because it looks good. It doesn't mean it is good. Because it seems right, it doesn't mean it is right. When he first looked at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God said not to eat of it, what happened? It looked good to the eye and pleasing that she thought, well, this must be good. And disobeyed the Lord, and hence we have our world today. Notice in Revelation 16 and 12, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. See the river Euphrates here. It's going to take up a few minutes of our time. But in Revelation 22 again, the last chapter, if you will, in verse 1 it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now notice the worldly kingdom system. Notice the natural system where men and women go for life. Water which we drink, we need it, we're human beings. But notice this great river has been mentioned, the river Euphrates. And then in Revelation 22, notice the river in the kingdom of God. The river of heaven, the river of Euphrates, it springs out away in the north above the land of Israel. You go on up north and sort of head a little bit more east into Armenia. And there it comes right round the Fertile Crescent, round to Iraq and towards Iran and further around the bottom. And it starts letting out at the, the Suez, no, the Straits of Hormuz. And there, we're told, it's a, a river where people populated right around. They had to, and they irrigated the land to grow their crops, to drink their water. It was The place was a barren land. And their men are always looking to the natural things of the world. You and I see, as I said, and we look and we taste and we want, we desire the natural things of the world. But God has a river. God has a river which flows from his throne. God has a river which comes from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In other words, from the Father through the Son. And it comes from the Father and the Son. And it's called the Holy Spirit of God. And there is the spiritual river whereby one, a man must be saved. A woman must be saved. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the Holy Spirit quickens you, regenerates you. When the Holy Spirit tells you that these things are true. 
true and you accept it because the scriptures tell us thy word is truth. Here, I must ask you to pause for a moment. And I ask you, are you so carnally looking at the things which life gives you? Are you carnally looking at the river Euphrates, as it were, the the pleasures and the things that you like and deem well to desire, but they're really no good and they're never uh, saving manners and they're never eternally lasting, but only for this life? Or are you willing, willing to look to see what God will say to you tonight through the Holy Spirit of God? Here we have the river Euphrates. And it's mentioned some 21 times in the scripture. And it means the good and abounding grace. (laughs) This is a river that's feeding people where people drink from. So they call that the good river, the great river, the abounding grace river. So here we have then the river of God. See how many things in scripture, especially from the devil will make things look good. Let me go on for time is flying on. In Revelation 16 and 12, the great river Euphrates, it says, is dried up. Let us read it. 16 and 12, please. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Notice, the river Euphrates, water was dried up. So the river comes from Armenia and flows right down across the Fertile Crescent. And the people populate, and they uh, they were conquered. And through time, they were conquered, and they were brought into what is known as the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire took up to the east. It went from Turkey. It went to Jordan, Iraq, and Iran. And then coming more west, it went down to the Balkans. Coming south, it went to Canaan land, the land of Israel. Then further down and along the north coast of Africa. It was a mighty empire. And this Ottoman Empire lasted for hundreds of years. Now take note of this. In 1299 AD, 1299 AD, until 1923, the Turkish Ottoman Empire, the Islamic Turkish Ottoman Empire, ruled across those nations and also ruled the city of Jerusalem. In 1839 to 1976 AD, there is what was known as the Tazimat period of the Ottoman Empire. For example, there were five quick points. The government, you see, were to change their constitutional reforms. They reformed their army. Secondly, the reforms, listen, in their banking system. They declared bankruptcy in 1875. 
one year before the end of the reforms. And their banking system was then, their, their usury, their debt that they owed was then given to European banks, European banks that were family cartels such as the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers. Notice here, they were then in debt. Thirdly, they brought in the decriminalization of homosexuality. Fourthly, they had the replacement of religious laws with secular laws. And fifthly, in 1855, they had a refusal to end the poll tax for all non-Muslims. And in fact, they gave heavier taxes to non-Muslims, i.e. Christians and Jews. They lost the Russo or the Russian-Turkish war between 1877 and 1878. They then lost Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, Montenegro. And then as that empire started to dry up, notice the river Euphrates not literally drying up, but the empire of the day started to dry up. The people were getting less. Their grip on the nation was getting less until they dried up, until they became the Turkish Republic that they are today. On the 1st of November 1922, the now failed, weakened, and dried up Ottoman Empire signed an armistice on a British warship in the Mediterranean. And only that Turkish Republic was left unto them. Just as Scripture said, and I will show you more proof, just as Scripture said, the river Euphrates had dried. In other words, it signified, as it was told to John, it signs signified and here this is signified by the drying up of the great river Euphrates the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the waters thereof were dried up now I'm going to come back to it in a moment I'm bringing you up to more modern days Turkey's Turkey's president Erdogan now listen to this Turkey's president Erdogan has told Russian President Vladimir Putin that the international community should give Israel a strong and deterrent lesson. This is recently, just within weeks, at the latest of these, would have been at the end of last year. Erdogan, you know, is the head of 57 member states' organization called the OIC. Has anybody ever heard of the OIC? The OIC is a council of Islamic nations and it is the largest, listen, the largest voting bloc in the United Nations. It's not the Europeans. It's the OIC is the largest voting bloc in the United Nations. President Erdogan has called for all Islamic nations to unite to fight against the Israeli state and to eliminate the influence of the West in the Middle East. Erdogan plans to create a revived Roman Empire. His words. Not mine. His words. A revived Roman Empire. Erdogan has called on all 50 member states of the OIC 
or the organization of Islamic cooperation to form an Islamic army of over 5 million troops with a budget of 124 billion. 124 billion works out pounds per year. Erdogan has now acquired military bases in Qatar, in Somalia, in Sudanese island in the Red Sea, and to be not only military bases, but places where they can launch attacks. He recently invaded northern Syria under the pretax that he was fighting Kurdish terrorists. Now, brothers and sisters, this river Euphrates has dried up and he's trying to have the river flow again, taking in territories, the revived Ottoman Empire. Now, in Ezekiel 38, and we can't do it for time's sake tonight, I'll do it another day, but the Lord speaks of Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal, talking about the great colossus of the north of the land of Israel being Russia. It speaks of two confederate armies. One is coming, and it is Turkey is one of them. Another one is Iran. Another one may even be Germany. The Turkish states of uh, Turkestan, Uzbekistan, Tugmenistan, Tajikistan, all the Stan countries, all Islamic, will gather together and come down as a cloud to the north of the land of Israel. I take note of this. It also says in Ezekiel 38 that there will be the ships of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof. There will be the British and American fleet. There will be the commonwealth of nations. There will be those who are siding on the Israeli side. And they will say, art thou come to take a spoil? And this will be part of World War III. World War III. Now note this. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. I want to take a few minutes to part of the empire when the Turkish Ottoman Empire was in Jerusalem. When they ruled Jerusalem for hundreds of years. 1917 is a vital and a major date in the history of the Ottoman Empire. This is uh, the final straw that breaks the camel's back. It's like you pouring out a bottle of milk and it glugs a bit at the start, but when it gets into the flow, it flows out quickly. When they lost Jerusalem, it was only a few years until they had completely shrunk and they became just the republic. Listen to this. Dr. Henry Grattan Guinness. You've heard the name Guinness before, haven't you? Who hasn't? Well, believe it or not, Dr. Henry Grattan Guinness was part of the Guinness family from Dublin, the Brewers. Half of the family were born-again Christians, and the other half went into the brewery business. In fact, if you go to Dublin today, and where the road goes around and separates right on that bend where Trinity College is, 
as the road turns around on this sort of V-shape where you go up towards Grafton Street, there's a statue and many people walk past it. There's trees around it. And you know who's too? Dr. Henry Grattan Guinness. He was an amazing evangelist in the United States and across Great Britain and right throughout Ireland and further afield. Listen, he takes what we're teaching you tonight. He takes it in 1888. Now listen, 1888. And he sees what is going to happen in 1917. His book is called The Light for the Last Days. I've got two copies of it. I couldn't get one, and then I ended up getting two. Light for the Last Days, 1888. Listen to what he says. God has decreed that Palestine and Jerusalem shall be freed and freed speedily from the Muslims. He wrote that in 1888. Then he goes on to say, in the same book, there can be no question that those who live to see this year, 1917, will have reached one of the most important perhaps the most momentous of these terminal years of crisis. Why 1917, Dr. Henry Grattan Guinness? Why would you write this? He formulated looking at Bible prophecy, which I'm going to show you, and he realized way back before it happened that the Muslims would be out quickly from Jerusalem after hundreds of years and none could move them. After hundreds of years. And he also realized that it was a crisis moment, a terminal point in the history of the world. In Luke chapter 21 and in verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That's an important thing. What times? What times? What's he speaking about? What times, Lord? Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, here's the times. In Leviticus 26, if you're taking notes, read it when you go home. The Lord says to Israel in the Old Testament, and I'll paraphrase for time, he says, if you walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary to you. And I will punish you for your sins even seven times. Even seven times. That's the times the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking about. The seven times of punishment of Israel in Numbers, pardon me, Leviticus chapter 26. So what is a time? What does it mean? Will you go with me to the book of Daniel, please? The book of Daniel. You see, when you're studying, we must understand this. Daniel is told by the Lord to shut up the book and close it up until the time of the end. For the time is not now. Away back, away back in the 600 and something B.C., Daniel's told that. So Daniel's like a bookend of here he is 
and he's told to shut up the vision and the prophecy. Here John comes in the end in the New Testament, and the Lord tells him to open it up, for that is coming to pass. And the beasts, and the, there's men made of metal that uh, they're seen in a dream. They all fulfill the kingdoms that we're speaking of. And those kingdoms, in Daniel, he says, shut them up. They're not for now. It'll start now, but it's not to tell people now. And Jesus opens it up. And then there's different beasts in Revelation with every trait from Daniel running through the beasts of Revelation. In other words, it's the same thing. We haven't time to go into it. I have done it before, and I'll maybe sometime do it again. In Leviticus 26, we have the seven times punishment. So what is a time? One time, we could go into uh, solar and lunar um, times, and they average out. But we'll not really, we'll not bore you with that this evening. One time is 360. One time is 360. So a circle has how many degrees? 360. If I'm facing you, pardon me from turning my back. 360, one time. So one time is 360. Seven times is seven times 360. 2,520, it works out at. 2,520. But 2,520 what? When we get to, and write these down, we haven't time to go through them. Numbers 14 and 34. And Ezekiel 4 and verse 6. God tells the prophets that there is a day for a year. A day for a year. So seven times is 2,520. If it's a day for each year, it's 2,520 years. 2,520 years. Now read Daniel 12. I want you to see something. Daniel 12 and verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river, and he held up his right hand. Notice he held up his right hand and his left hand to the heavens. And swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be a time, times, and a half. Notice a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be fulfilled. Okay, a time, 360. Times is double that. Time, 360. Two times is 720. And so a half a time is a half of 360. And to save your mind, trying to work it all out, a time, 360, plus 720, plus 180, is 1,260. There's two hands. Meaning double it. And it works out at 2,520. So the seven times and the times, times and a half a time in Daniel, they're exactly the same number. 2,520 years. Now the house of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, the northern house of Israel are gone. They have been taken away into captivity, and now the southern kingdom of the house of Judah 
who Daniel is part of in Babylon. Daniel in the land's den was in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace was in Babylon. So when the house of Judah and Jerusalem were taken away, it was the year 604, 604 B.C. If we were to say that is the start of your punishment, 604 B.C., and take away 2,520 years, one for the crossing over, for there's no year not, from B.C. to A.D., you know what year we end up at? 1917. 1917, just as Dr. Henry Grattan had said. 1917. So here's something for you. In 604, when the house of Judah and Jerusalem were taken away, 604 BC, one hand of those times is 1260. When you take that away, you end up at 657 AD. Do you know what happened in 657 AD? People sort of try, this is what people believe, it's around about this. Some say it's give or take a year. 657 BC, pardon me, AD. The Alexa Mosque had been ruined by an earthquake and was rebuilt again. Now the Alexa Mosque in Jerusalem that was ruined by an earthquake and after 1,260 years was rebuilt again from the taking away of the house of Judah. There it is believed from Mecca, Muhammad flew. It's called Muhammad's Isra. The Isra was he flew to Jerusalem as in he escaped away and as he went to Jerusalem, there the Muslims believe that God took him and brought him to heaven. That's what they believe. That's why it's so important. See, at the moment, where is all the writing happening in Jerusalem? Right on the Temple Mount and around the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So that is one hand with the time, times and a half. Brings us right to that. The second one brings us to the year 1917. That is the year of the punishment ending of the house of Judah. Here's another time scale. Look at it in Daniel chapter 12 for me, please. Daniel chapter 12, and just let your eye on down to verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. One, three, three, five. One thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. Now, do you see in the Muslim calendar, it's called the Hegira. The Hegira cal- Islamic calendar the year 1335 in the Islamic Hegira calendar. Do you know what year it was? 1917. Does this not show you, friend, how reliable and true the Word of God is? Does this not show you that if you're not saved, the Bible also says... 
that those who are not in Christ, the wrath of God is on them. And that's how true it is. Does this not show you that the Bible says you must be born again? The words of Christ himself, you must be born again. The Word of God tells us that it's only the blood of Jesus that cleanseth us from all our sin. And it's not our church. It's not our institution. It's not our denomination. It's Christ and Christ alone. Jesus only. And this proves to me that the Bible is the inspired and infallible Word of God. True from cover to cover. Where are you with Christ tonight? For if this is so true, and since this is true, where are you because the Bible says that the Lord is returning again? And whether he comes or calls you, close your eyes to wake up in his kingdom or before him as your judge. The Bible tells us this. How true is the word of God? Can I ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you Christ's? I didn't ask you how often you even go to church or come to here or this church can't save you. This man can't save you. There's no one and nothing. No king nor queen nor president. No pastor, no priest nor pontiff. None can save but Christ and Christ alone. In 1917, let me tell you what happens. General Allenby was a Christian general and Lord Beauvoir, who was a Christian too, comes to him. The, the, the expeditionary forces of the, of, of, the, of the British Army and the Australian Anzac troops had tried for a long time through general after general to remove the Turkish Islamic Muslim uh, Ottoman Empire out of Jerusalem and there was bloodshed from one end of the land of Israel to the bottom. Bloodshed all over it. Read uh, Mary Hughes' uh, book, The Land is Mine. It's like hen's teeth have been gitted, but read it. It goes into detail in all of the wars that was going on in it. And so Belvoir comes to Allen Bay and he says, look, Will you take up the mantle to try and re release Jerusalem? And here's what happens. He says, no, for I'll come back with shame as the other generals did. But he brings out Dr. Henry Grattan Guinness's book, and he brings out the word of God. He says, look at this man who's writing, this great evangelist, this man who's led many to Christ. He says, now look at this. And he showed him what I'm showing you. And General Almby says, I'll go. I believe in the word of God. And he went, and there's war all over with Allenby. And they get to Jerusalem to the city walls. And outside of it was a stronghold. They couldn't break it. Within was the Turks. None could move them. And so Allenby sends up number 14 bomber squadron of the Royal Flan Corps. That was the early... Uh, that was the early formation of the Royal Air Force before it was that. And he sends them up little by-wing planes and they fly over Jerusalem dropping leaflets written in Arabic telling the Turks to surrender. And these planes are flying over. They didn't drop bombs and they didn't shoot guns. They dropped leaflets and at the bottom it was signed Allenby. 
Now listen to this. December the 7th, they flew over. The Turks saw the planes, seen the leaflets, Allenby's name at the bottom. And do you know what Allenby's name is? And they didn't even realize it when they had signed it. Allenby's name in Arabic is Alan Enabe. Allah Enabe. That means the prophet of God. <laughs> and the whole Turkish army down tools gave up their weapons and they came out of Jerusalem and they surrendered themselves to two little British soldiers who were just privates walking around to check out the land. (laughs) Not a shot was fired. Not a bomb was dropped. Listen to what the Word of God says through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 31 and verse 5. Remember the planes? Now listen. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. And that's what happened. They sent the planes over and there was no damage done to the city. Number 14 bomber squadron. They had a medal struck up. You know what it says right around it? I spread my wings and keep my promise. (laughs) And that's what God did. He spread his wings as it were and he kept his promise. The great river Euphrates was drying up fast. And in 1917... Spirits of devils like frogs started to multiply. 1917 in Russia saw the Bolshevik Revolution. Millions of professing Christians were butchered. Millions of them butchered. They were under Lenin. They'd taken on Marxism. And they were buttered through the Bolshevik Revolution. Revelation 12, 16. I know I haven't got far past this verse, but forgive me. Revelation 12, pardon me. Yes, 12, 16, verse 14, sorry. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles. Starts to generate. They are the spirits of... Devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Here's something you need to understand here. At the same time, the river Euphrates dried up. Go for to make way or prepare the way of the kings of the east. In other words, in the, in the original Greek tongue, it means to prepare the way of the rising of the sun. Or the kings from the rising of the sun. Now further east than Jerusalem. We have Japan. We have Korea. We have Vietnam. We have China. All rising up at this time. There was a young student called Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong took on the teachings of Karl Marx. And he also took on the teachings of Communism Manifesto. And he brought it into China. And war started in China with Chinese nationalists and the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese nationalists were beat back today. A lot of them moved into Taiwan. That's why America still backs Taiwan to this day. 
And just as the rise of the kings of the East happened, again, it was in the year 1917. All happened in that year. The rising of the kings of the East. China became a superpower in the world. Listen, Joe Biden has allegedly ordered the United States intelligence agencies to investigate the Wuhan origins of the COVID strain. Did you know that? Well, Dr. Francis Boyle, who drafted the Biological Weapons Act in the Senate in the United States, in the Senate, he has stated that coronavirus or COVID-19, now listen, his words, is an offensive biological warfare weapon. That's what he said. There's been scientists now from Scotland. Professor of biology has went over. There's one that has went uh, from Oxford University, and they have come back. You know what they have said with their reports? I haven't time to go into all of this. You know what they have said in their reports? That they can find no strain from which it's come from, no genesis, because it's been manufactured and added to. It's a biochemical weapon. The rising of the kings of the east. Do you ever wonder what's behind everything while we have everyone in fear and trembling and worry and all of this? Do you ever wonder what's happening while all you get is COVID this and COVID that and deaths and sicknesses? And look, and there is death. We're not denying that. And every one of them is sad and terrible. But do you ever wonder what we're missing behind the scene? Did you know that the that China, while this is going on and the world is in a frenzy, have now got the largest naval fleet in the whole world, surpassing by far the United States of America? Did you know they have actually built islands in the sea off the coasts? Did you know that they have bought up the oil reserves in Venezuela? And they have even got seaports and buying up land, and they're now going to try and transport it. Did you know they built the Karakoram Highway years ago? And now they're preparing. It comes right across. And where does it come to? Right through Iran. Toward the land of Israel. Behind the scenes, things have been busy. And the people have just went, COVID, 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 COVID. Oh, hide. Brothers and sisters, and this is true, brothers and sisters, spirits of devils, spirits of devils. There's the elitists. There are the so-called Jewish banking cartels. There are the big corporations and the big pharma, and there's a communist control and Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset. What's the Great Reset? I'm not enough... I haven't studied it enough, but I'll tell you what I know. Funny enough, it it leans on three strands and about to go into the fourth. The first one is the stockholder's economy. In other words, the, the great reset was a stockholder gets rich, but he's meant to give the money. 
Here's what government will do. Here's what they will do. They will take eventually all of your land and all of your wealth. They will take everything you've worked for and everything you have earned and they will keep it to themselves. And then here's what they'll do. We care for you so much, we are going to look after you. And now you're in slavery, totally dependent on man. Know where my dependence is? On the Lord. On the Lord. Secondly, it's a one-world global system. That's the next round. And thirdly is the use of core components they use their own to give to their own. Fourthly, fourthly, they're looking for another industrial revolution. Stay with me. The first industrial revolution, this is their words. The first industrial revolution was powered by water and steam. The second industrial revolution was powered by electric. The third industrial revolution was, was, is powered by electronics, electronics and information technology. But the fourth and the great reset will be mastered, that's their words, will be mastered by artificial intelligence, nanotechnology and biotechnology. That's their words. From the rise of the kings of the east. Do you ever wonder why it happened? Because God knew the kings of the east would start to rise. You don't need to go to China or Russia. or You don't need to go to Cuba or Vietnam or wherever to find communism. You're living in it. You're living in it. It is even said now that the very biotechnology in Wuhan, do you know where it originated from? The United States. The United States. So, there's three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Notice, and it's global. It's global. I must wrap this up. Thank you for your, your attention. I know it's been a bit taxing in the mind, but thank you for your attention. In 2 Corinthians 4, I mentioned it a little earlier. Verses 3 and 4. Listen to what Paul writes. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In other words, if you can't see the truth in Christ, your need of Christ, if you can't see that you're a sinner, no matter what you do, whether you give, whether you do alms and deeds or whatever you try and apply, whether it's religion, institution, denomination or anything else, you're still in your sin. And the gospel is hid. In whom, notice the God of this world, that is the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And my desire tonight 
It's not just to, oh, well, here's everything that's happening. I'm not the expert. I know a, I know a lot and I study a lot, but I'm not the expert. And on some things, they may, people may prove me wrong, but they won't prove it wrong in the Scripture. My desire is you'll come to saving faith in Christ tonight. Who knows if it be too late? Who knows if Christ will call tonight? But rather that the devil, the God of this world, has blinded your minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into you. The devil hates you, friend. He doesn't love you. He hates you. But Jesus loves you. But Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And Jesus gave his life for you. Shed his blood for you. And only in Christ. And if you reject that. If you reject what he's done. If you reject his blood. If you reject his love. And you die without Christ. You're lost for all eternity. You're lost forever. Without end. In Revelation 16 and 15, Jesus is the one speaking here, the risen Christ. Behold, he says, I come as a thief. In other words, he'll come in a day and hour we don't know, when we're not expecting. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. He says, I'm coming. What way will I find you? I'm coming. What way will I find you? Jesus is coming again. Do you know, from 1468 BC, from 1468 BC, there's been over 200 battles in the Valley of Megiddo, or the Valley of Estralon, as it's known. From Pharaoh in 1468 BC, Pharaoh Tuthmosis III, and his battle with the Canaanites. Do you know when the last battle was? Jalal and Almby in 1917. It was the last one there. And the army is going to be drawn again at the coming of Christ. And the unsaved will be lost. Damned forever. Zechariah tells us the Old Testament prophet and it hasn't happened yet on the not day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives he's coming again he's coming again and you're saved team would you come up please we're going to sing are you saved There's someone this evening who will say, I'm not saved yet. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I'm not ready. There's someone who will say, I, I want to talk with you about my soul's salvation because I'm not saved. And you tell me only Jesus saves. And that's true, friend. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you know you're saved. Are you sure you're saved?
well then you'll come and talk to us, won't you? And you'll speak to me. And we'll talk about your soul. Point you to Christ. For who knoweth the hour that our Lord doth come, he says.